Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. Girl. Welcome back to the Paradox Celebrity Profiles. <laughs> <laughs> These are our reads. Take them or leave them. And here we are. Here we are to give them to you. For yeah. free. For free. Can you believe for free? For free? Actually, for the small, small price of $5 a month, you can support us yeah. on Patreon. We'll just get that out out top. I know. And that would be really huge for us. <laughs> would it would be huge for us. We make playlists in conjunction with the profiles we cover. We just did a 50 Cent 2003 playlist. John Mayer? I think we should do a John Mayer playlist. That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like a, yeah, a 2000 and, what was that, nine? Nine, yeah. Yeah, we need to do a 2009 players. Huge year for music. But also we have great little content clips that magazines pay us the big bucks for, but we're charging you the low, low price of $5. I know if you want some celebrity perfume recommendations, I did one pegged to our Gwen Stefani episode. So there's really a lot of fun stuff there. I'm going to dive into the best cookie couples of all time. I don't know if you remember that. What episode was that? It might've been John Mayer too. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah. Where there's like such a thing as a cookie and the cookies seem to find each other. They run in packs. I know. No pun intended. They do. And I don't know about you, but I've been very struck by the Priscilla press cycle and I'm just finding, and I know this is going to be the most basic thing in the world that I love Jacob Elordi. I'm really struck by him. I'm really struck by him. Chris and I met him at a party. Oh my God. Yeah. A couple of years ago with Kaya. He was with, with of Kaya. Course. Yeah. We went to this random party in the hills. I've heard he's the sweetest. He, the absolute sweetest. He must have been wasted. Like he was so excited. But a girl that we were with went to primary school with him oh. in Australia, elementary school. He was so, so excited about this girl going to primary school. He was blowing. He was like, Mrs. Petunia. And she was like, Mrs. Petunia. (laughs) That's what it was. It was so crazy. But he was very nice. Caius stood off to the side, like very, very quietly, um, just smiling. Of course. Uh, Well, it recently came out that she made him shave his mullet in the first week of them dating, which I respect. But yeah, he's very tall. He's probably the same height as Chris or just a little bit shorter and a broad, attractive man. I believe that. I believe that. And he's got incredible style. Yeah, the, the handbags. The purses. <gasps> Nuts. So Nuts. smart. So smart. I wonder if he's styled. I agree. I he was has just going to be. I know because there's no way you can get your hands on that many different like accessories without having a professional stylist. No, you're right. And even then it's like is he in his free time emailing designers or are designers just sending him bags when they saw him step out with the first bag? It's, I just don't think... They're too well coordinated also. No, yeah. And it's also interesting. It's not like an obvious bag. No, it's a tiny like little baby Chanel quilted purse. Yeah, a cool Bottega. Yeah. Something interesting. That's a huge new Louis season. Vuitton. Yeah. yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. There has to be a stylist on this. There's got to be someone pulling the strings. But it's interesting. There is a Jacob Elordi effect in Los Angeles, I find. Like yes. the men are following suit. I'm seeing the James Dean death cult cap that he wears everywhere yep. on other men mm-hmm. and i think there he goes that little australian just making waves he is and i'm excited to see the movie elvis has had a yeah. big resurgence i, I feel know. in our culture not the least to mention the whole legal battle over his estate between riley kyo his granddaughter and lisa marie her mother i know also wait wasn't Kaya Gerber with Austin Butler? Oh, yeah. What's going on here? Oh, yeah. Austin Butler, who that's right. hilariously changed his entire pattern of speech, like altered his life for three years to play Elvis. And everyone is already saying that Jacob Elordi did a better job. No, really? <laughs> yes. Are you, no, you're, li- you're lying. No, I'm not lying. Who said that? I've seen reviews where everyone is just like, oh, Jacob Elordi as Elvis, there is no trying. He slips in perfectly. The voice is there. The presence is there. There. Obviously, the film that Sofia Coppola is doing is very much focused on Priscilla, but it is so funny to me. Yeah. Bye, and- Austin Butler. <laughs> oh. Wait, no. Kaya Goba left Jacob Lordi to be For- with Austin Butler. Oh my God, a battle of the Elvises. Jacob Lordi is with Olivia Jade. Right. Of fraud. Fraud fame. <laughs> I was going to say, fam- a full house. Lori Loughlin 
That's her, her mother right. committed fraud yes. to try and get her into USC. I know. Yeah. It's so funny. How that girl never wanted to go to college. Like, let her just live. Yeah. And how embarrassing for your mom to have done that. Like, for you not to have been able to get in on your own and then you'd find out. Like, and it's, God. Oh, my it's terrible. That also really gets at, I think, something that bothers specifically us. What? No, I think that for us to experience something like that, it's like, it's oh, a testament oh, for to like intelligence. Totally. It like scratches all of our sore spots. Yes. That would kill me. Yeah. And for it to become known, I think would be even worse. It's the betrayal of it all, really. I agree. You know? I agree. And the the lack of achieving. The, yeah. The mediocrity of it yeah, all. Yeah, the mediocrity. That's what it is. That's what it is. Like even as a child of very wealthy parents who are donating like a whole yacht to the sailing club you cannot get into the school i mean that sucks and access to tutors all through high school it's like all all of it's a private school in yeah. los angeles yeah no that sucks but they seem very happy jacob and olivia now so i'm happy for them what is inspiring you oh mine is an emotional one because i know we've spoken about all the weddings we have to attend. We have attended. We've oh spoken briefly. Biagos are so sick of I know. us attending weddings. This is, this is, and it's a brief one. It's just that I, wait, actually, I have a different inspiration. Oh. You know what? I'm going off book. What? I'm going off book. You're shredding up the cue card? This came up recently and I realized I need to talk about it right now. It's hit me like lightning. I am morally against going on private and listening to your quote-unquote guilty pleasures on Spotify. Everything I listen to is for the public to consume. I didn't know that you could do that. People do that. It's like when they're doing throwback things or things they're embarrassed of. Let's say you're a closeted Swifty. People will go on private mode and then listen to Taylor Swift and then go off private and continue listening to Slow Dive or the new Sufjan Stevens album. Wait, I literally didn't know private mode existed. Incredible. So you're on my page. You're, <gasps> you're watching everything I'm listening to? Oh, no. Ugh. No, no, no. <laughs> But I should be. I just think, why do we have to hide what we love? I'm against it morally. And there are very few positions where I feel like I'm coming from a real moral center. And this is one of them. Can I just say, one of the most annoying things I heard recently was Jenna Ortega getting interviewed at Fashion Week. And they said, what is your guilty pleasure? And she said, hmm, Breaking Bad. That is not a guilty pleasure. That is like multi-Emmy winning television. For one, I want to do away with the guilty pleasure I question. Agree. Done. Especially when linked to food, as it so often is. Of uh, mac and cheese is my guilty pleasure. No. There's nothing about that that you should feel guilty. guilt about. No. That is sustaining you. That is giving you energy. That is fueling your body so that you may do the work that you are here to do on this earth. And if you must address guilty pleasure, have it be something, you know, remotely divisive. Be like, yeah, my guilty pleasure is love is blind. Something that is not typically highbrow mm-hmm. that I thoroughly enjoy. Otherwise, let's just throw out the question altogether. I'm sick of it. And I think it's not interesting to hide the things we love. No. I think it goes against. Shameful. It links it to shame, especially when it's modern music, pop music, trying to curate a persona of someone that only ever listens to really obscure indie artists. I think it needs to stop. Agreed. Everyone go on public mode at all times and see how it frees you. See how it frees you. Go on public mode and listen to our 50 Cent 2003 playlist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's my new one. That's my, I was going to be weddings, crying at weddings, emotional, but I realized this was more important. This is. This is a public service announcement. Yeah, exactly. So that's that. So that's mine. What is inspiring you? I had a friend recently who got scammed <laughs> pretty bad. No. Pretty bad. My beautiful friend David, who I, who I love so much, narrowly averted a scam but by the hair of his chinny chin chin like it was really close he was in new york and he gets a call that was like hi this is homeland security there is a package for you at the border that is suspicious we have it under good authority that someone has been hacking into your bank account to order drugs and have them delivered into the country and it's all under your name, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. They asked him to verify a ton of information that they already had. Like, they had his address. They had everything. And he was like, oh, this is crazy. And they were like, I know, I know, I know. Bear with us. So he Googles the numbers that are calling him. It is, sure enough, U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Everything checks out. He's talking to these people. And they're like, well, look, like, we're going to need you to verify a few things. We're going to need you to secure your bank account. So he's like, okay. 
all right, I'll do whatever you need. He's on calls with various people for like three hours. Like it's a very, very long time. At this point, it's Friday afternoon in New York. It's a hot fall day. He is sweating. He's running around town. He's keeping up with work while navigating this intense personal crisis. He goes into a bank at 4.30, goes into a chase and tries to withdraw money from his account. So basically their instruction is from all your accounts, leave 200 in each so we can discern who is maintaining your money. Like, so he pulls out from his account or various accounts, all of his money bar $200, like $200 left. So they, I guess their argument was like, if we see another attempt on your account from this $200, we will be able to track the source and know that something's gone wrong. So this is so complicated. It's so elaborate. Chase told him that it was one of the most elaborate schemes that they have ever encountered. So he goes to the teller. He withdraws $19,000. Stop. $19,000. All his money from his accounts. They're asking for him for a social. He cannot remember it off by heart. So he's stumbling. He gets it close enough that they go, okay, you're obviously nervous. <laughs> it's close at, enough. Is this at Chase? At or Chase. To this the, is at Chase. Okay. We're going to give it to you. He's like, okay. So they give him his money. No envelope, which I find... It's very strange. They give me an envelope even if I'm taking out $170. (laughs) I know. know A $20 bill is going to get you an envelope these days. Yeah. So he he had $19,000 cash in hand. He steps out of the bank, 5 o'clock, 501 banks closed. He then gets back on the phone with the people. He's like, hey, I've just made the withdrawal. They were like, okay, amazing. Um, so what we're going to need from you is to basically set up a new account where you can like Aww. harbor your money in the meantime. There is, um, but they're like, we're going to get you to come in first. You have to come into our office. Like we want to meet with you and go over everything. We want to make sure everything's all good. Are you available to do that? And David's like, just give me the address and tell me where to go. And I will go and meet an officer. Like happy to do it. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. They're like, okay. The address is in New Jersey. Oh, and David was no, like, he didn't go. Absolutely not. Perfect. I am in New York yeah. City. I am not traveling to New Jersey. And they're like, sir, like, sir. And he's like, give me your badge number. Cause they gave him a real name of a real person. Yeah. And they, they gave the badge number. He was like, what's your middle name? This guy's name was like Robert L. Gerard. And he was like, what's your middle name? And the guy's like, oh, I actually don't have one. And he was like, you do. It's L. What is it? And he's like, oh, no, I, that's a, that's actually more of a title thing. Like, I don't have a, a, a title. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yep. And he's like, this is a fucking fraud. This is crazy. Hangs up the phone, stands there in the middle of Midtown with $19,000 in cash that he solely didn't lose off the basis of inconvenience alone. The sheer track of going to New Jersey from New York City dissuaded him from giving up his entire life savings. Oh, Isn't that crazy? That is. But this proceeded to open up like a whole conversation about scams and convenience is really what catches people out. When something's easy, it's so much easier to be scammed. Yeah, If it's just like, oh, just send me just super quick. Yeah. And if they want you to go anywhere, if they want you to do anything, it's like... I got a big day. I just got a lot on. (laughs) Like, how about tomorrow? But I got scammed pretty badly when I was moving into my house now. Vaguely remember. $1,600? What? Yeah, I I never told you this. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what happened for me was it was definitely like a convenience thing. Like, I was selling a bed. This is a PSA. Oh, no. This is a PSA to everyone who uses OfferUp, Craigslist, whatever. I was selling a bed. Someone reached out to me and said, hey, measurements for the bed. Can you give me all the information? I was like, totally. They said, I want to buy this for my mom, but I'm out of state. So I'm going to have movers come and pick it up. Let me send you a like digital check. Almost looks like a scan of a check. And it works the same way with a mobile check deposit. Oh, wow. And so they were like, I'm going to send you a check, but I'm going to include an extra $700. And I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just like zelling the movers on my behalf. I just thought that someone didn't know how to use like Zelle or something and just like dealt with checks and there was some sort of weird, like the flag should have gone up, but I didn't realize. So I said, no worries. Like for sure. Feel free to send me the check. The bed's like $300 or whatever. The check they ended up sending me was like for a thousand or $1,200. I was like, I'll send the rest. 
they send me this check. I deposit it. It clears immediately. I just feel so uncomfortable with the fact that there's so much money in my account that is like does not belong to me. So I'm very quickly like just cleared. Feel free to send me the details of this person and I'll forge your money on kind of yeah. thing. The movers never come, mm-hmm. but he says, hey, hey, I'd love to reschedule the movers for tomorrow. Actually, they got tied up today. Do you have anything else you're selling that would match the bed? And I said, well, yeah, I actually have a coffee table. He's like, okay, can you send me photos, dimensions, the whole nine yards? I said, totally. Then he does the same thing. He's like, I'm going to send you this much for the coffee table. And then I'm going to send you an extra X, Y, Z and throw in like $150 because I know this has been so inconvenient, whatever. This is so interesting because (laughs) the last thing you would think of a scammer is that they're giving you more money than you need. Exactly. So I was like, okay, no worries. So I send all this money. I send a total of like two separate payments of like $1,600. So it was just under like the Zelle limit for the day, which is $2,000. And it just starts to like sink in I'm like something isn't right this isn't adding up it's just it's odd and I assume that what they're trying to do is clean money through my account oh okay so that's my that's my instinct so I call Chris and he was like I think it sounds legit like I think it sounds fine it's just like you're helping someone out I was like totally yeah then I just start to spiral. I have moved into this house alone. I obviously have stuff everywhere. I'm exhausted. I think we were going to New Zealand like the following week. It was just heightened, heightened stress. And I'm like, something is very, very fucking wrong. The next day I wake up, all the cash has been rescinded. So you have a 24 hour window to do it. Oh. So the cash has left my account. Plus obviously the $1,600 that I Venmoed out of my own money and had now gone into overdraft for to send these no. people. Yeah. Wow, I were really full circle with this episode talking about Olivia Jade and Jacob Alordi and the scam, oh, the yeah. college situation scam. Crazy. But it's so shameful that you fell for something. And obviously I'm a woman of the digital age. I feel like I'm like relatively adept to technology to know that I just didn't see that coming. Like I'm not an elderly woman on a phone call being like, we've got your son, pay us $3,000. You know, I've been narrowly scammed. And then I am currently being scammed. I am in an active scam now. What? My dentist (laughs) did a bunch of work on me. Yeah. Invisalign, all these things. And I was like, can I set up a payment plan? And they were like, yeah, totally. Like we would love to do that. Or even easier for you, the way that we set up payment plans is through this card. It's a care card. We'll charge the amount. And as long as you do the payments every month. Like a credit card. Yeah, like a credit card. But um, as long as you do the credit card, like payments every month and on time, then basically you pay out the amount, you have a year and a half to do it. So it gives you more time. And I said, that sounds great. No fees, right? There are no fees. There's no interest. And they say, no, 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 absolutely not. As long as you meet the amount that we tell you, there's no interest. You'll pay as much as you borrow. Mm. I am being charged. No. I am being charged $200 a month in fees. I am paying way above the amount that they told me to pay. They were like, as long as you pay $175 a month. And I was like, I'm actually going to double that so I can pay it off even sooner. Of course. And as a result, the fees are just random fees that they are charging my account on random days of the month. Just like a processing fee, handling fee, tax fee. And this is not the dentist's office. This is the card itself. This is the card itself. And the dentists were aware of this? You've called? You've asked? I've called. I've said, hey, this is not what you said. They said, oh my goodness, this is so strange. You'll have to take it up with the card company. It's like, we're not connected to this at all. We just suggested this to you. Oh my God. So I'm in the middle of a scam. I've been scammed and it's that shame piece of like, I should have known, but I I asked all the questions. Any interest, any fees? No, no, no. Yeah. And I, and David did too. Like I, the way I would have likely fallen for the same thing David did because he was looking at badge numbers. He was, the first thing he did was checked the incoming number and realized that if you think you're being scammed, hang up and call the number back. If it's an incoming call, they can scramble the numbers to look like yes. any any phone number on the planet, Kylie Jenner's personal cell. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so he did his due diligence and was like, let me make sure all these numbers aligned." They did, but he stayed on the call. And that's the thing. They just keep you on those calls and keep you talking. I'm so sorry. It's such an inconvenience. I know this sounds insane. Like it happens to so many Americans. It's such a shame. 
And he worked out that being in New York saved him because they had his home address. They had basically structured a nearby location to his house for him to drop off the cash. But because he was in New York, they had nothing close by. No So they way. had to send him to Jersey. And he was just like, well, I'm not fucking going to Jersey. So interesting. Isn't it nuts? I feel like the lesson really is here. One, you're not above anything. No. The like, oh, I'm smarter than this doesn't always apply it doesn't save you no at every turn being aware of being street smart it can get anyone it can really get anyone speaking of teeth and a woman who has incredible chompers oh my god amazing <laughs> naomi campbell thousand watt smile that girl this is who we're talking about today she is so gorgeous and has been so gorgeous for upwards of 40 years it's insane the woman has never gone through <laughs> A bad face. No. It hurts me. The fact that she started modeling at, what, 15? She was cast in a first music video at eight. Eight uh-huh. years old. Uh-huh. And then she had two more before she got scouted. And then Al put her on the cover at 16. No And then it was way. just off to the races. And I've talked about this with friends at length and being like, look, if you weren't hot in high school, I think that bodes so well. You end up being so much more beautiful in adulthood. I, I really, agree. I stand by that. I believe it. Naomi Campbell is the literal exception. She is a beauty for the ages. Striking. And in this profile, she knows what she wants. This is Harper's Bazaar, December 2020. The headline is Naomi Campbell knows what she wants and the deck reads for three decades, the world has been trying to define her, but the supermodel and activist would prefer to do things on her own terms. I'm ready. Let's dive in. This is written by Ella Alexander. She's an incredible writer. She covers fashion, arts, feminism, has profiled the likes of Jessica Chastain, Olivia Coleman. At this point in time, she was Harper's Bazaar's deputy digital editor. But she has, like the luckiest among us, gone into branded content and now works as, I think, the senior editor of The Outnet, which luxury retailer. Seems like a good job. I'm seeing some gals and and moda operandi. Yeah, yeah, the real, real, you name it. It's Mm -hmm. where the money is. Mm -hmm. So obviously a fashion girl through and through. She is a great fit to cover Naomi because she seems to know her trajectory inside and out. Naomi was born in 1970, making her 53. She's from London and she had a mother who was a dancer, originally from Jamaica, and she never met her father. But she was raised in performing arts schools, spent a good early chunk of her life in Rome, where presumably her mom was part of a dance troupe. I didn't know this. I know. And as mentioned, her career really got started as like a music video girly. She appeared in a Bob Marley music video at age eight and then two more and then was scouted. And then basically by the 80s had become known along with Chrissy Turlington and Linda Evangelista as the Trinity, the most recognizable and in-demand models of a generation. Wow. And they've come back in such a big way. Huge. Designers are featuring them all over the runway. They They've just had, had a documentary come out. Yes, yes. Dying to watch that. A That's on cover. Apple TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think what made them such a powerful trio was that when Naomi was faced with racial discrimination, which of course she was, it was the 80s, Turlington and Evangelista told Dolce & Gabbana, if you don't use Naomi, you don't get us. And then that started a ripple effect across designers who were all using Naomi, like obsessed with her from that moment on. Um, Wow, what a way to leverage your privilege and power. Yeah. Naomi was declared the reigning mega model of them all in 1990. And this was the same year that Chrissy Turlington, Linda Evangelista, Cindy Crawford, and Tatiana Petitz all appeared on a cover of British Vogue. And then the same group was cast in George Michael's Freedom 90 video. Oh, it's such an iconic video. So iconic. And then by that point, it was the four girls, Campbell Turlington, Evangelista and Crawford, and then Claudia Schiffer. And those five were supermodels. That was where the term was born from. And then when Kate Moss arrived, they were collectively known as the big six. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I mean, when you think of a model, those are the names that come to mind. Those are the the only girls. I mean, the way that they walked the catwalk, I wish we would see this come back on runways. I feel like the Saint Laurent of 2007 really fucked it up for everyone, where it's just like, look like you want to die, get out on the runway as quickly as possible, and then off. Like, it's not about you. You are a hanger, 
and that you know and but this was like personality plus and they all had such distinct styles i know great off-duty style off-duty style their walks were all distinct and unique there was like the naomi walk there was the, the shalom walk. Yeah. walk which was huge yeah totally and now i mean i know that kendall jenner is oft criticized for a lack of walk mm-hmm. of any kind yeah but they're just not doing it like how they used to. No, the only one who comes close and is frequently praised for her walk is actually Gigi Hadid. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. gets a lot of credit for her walk. I think it's just because it's a departure from everything else mm-hmm. that we've seen. She also starred in the Michael Jackson video, absolutely propelling her to household name status and was the first black woman to open a Prada show. In 2019, she also became the first black woman to ever win the Icon Award at the CFDAs. She has walked in seven Victoria's Secret fashion shows, including the second one ever. And when she was asked why she never became a full-time angel, she responded, well, they just could not afford me. Wow. Yes. Which leads us to uh, her many, many controversies she is an unsp- she is an outspoken woman and she's not afraid to share what's on her mind or punctuate those thoughts with a flying object i would say <laughs> she has been convicted of assault four times first in 2000 when she pleaded guilty to assaulting her personal assistant with a mobile phone in 1998 by 2006 eight other employees and associates had come forward with claims of abuse During that time, she wore a T-shirt that read, Naomi hit me and I loved it. Oh. Yeah. So she's doubling down, you might say. In 2007, she pleaded guilty in New York to also assaulting her former housekeeper, who accused Campbell of throwing a BlackBerry phone at her in 2006. And she attended her community service wearing just a series of designer outfits, but most memorably, a silver sequined Dolce & Gabbana gown worth $300,000. Oh my God. If you haven't seen those photos, look them up. They are incredible. We'll post. We'll post. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then in 2008, she pleaded guilty to assaulting two police officers in Heathrow Airport after British Airways lost her luggage. A cab. Said <laughs> Naomi Campbell. Which, I mean, we've been there in the Ibiza Airport. Could have been us. Could have been any of us. Oh, yeah. We saw it came close to violence multiple times. Yeah. She was sentenced in that case to 200 hours of community service and was banned for life from British Airways. Wow. In 2015, she was sentenced to six months probation for assaulting a, a paparazzo. She also, unlike many celebrities, had a blood diamond scandal. Do you remember this? I didn't at all. She took the witness stand. I, I, I there's yes. some like footage or video or something yeah, that I've seen where she says this is an enormous inconvenience to me. Or something. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she was gifted blood diamonds by the Liberian president, and she basically regifted them as a donation to the head of the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund. The director of this fund was like, "I suspect these are blood diamonds. Like these rocks are crazy," and held on to them, but didn't sell them, didn't do anything with them to put the money into the fund. And so he was arrested, and the diamonds were seized. And she, I guess, yeah, like you said, testified and was never charged due to her lack of criminal intent. Mm -hmm. There is one other thing that I feel like it is my duty to mention. She was found in the contact book and flight logs of the American financier, Jeffrey Epstein, and was said to be very close with both him and Ghislaine Maxwell, his, you know, associate lover and a well-known sex trafficker now. She denied that she was ever very close with them, but one of Epstein's victims, Virginia Guofrey, I think, uh, claimed that she was well aware and she was a close friend of Maxwell. So that's all a lot. That's a lot. But overall, you know, despite being the most famous black model of her time, she never, ever earned the same volume of advertisements, campaigns as her white colleagues and kind of as such, has done some really incredible anti-racism work. She's like a prolific activist and has been very outspoken, particularly with regards to racial injustice in the fashion industry, which brings us to her Harper's Bazaar cover in a year fraught with racial tension, 2020. This is an interesting profile because it's so closely tied to political events which we don't often have. We experienced it recently with Blake Lively in the recession. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But 
2020 was obviously very recent history and because I'm a glutton for punishment, we're going to go right the way back through it. Um, (laughs) The world entered isolation in March. My one pull-out question was I really wanted to know where you were when the city shut down. You were in Los Angeles, no? I was. I had just traveled back. Miraculous that I did not get it. I had come back from North Carolina. I was just in a trip. I had traveled to see my youngest sister play Maria in A Sound of Music. I had gone back to... Iconic role. Yeah. And I DJed the cast party, which was the last party I went to uh, in 2020. A high school cast party. A high school cast party for their... Did you mix or did you make a playlist? I made a playlist. (laughs) I did not not mix. I should have mixed. It would have been incredible. I made a playlist and... DJ Vani? Yep. It was the time of my life. And then traveling back, I was seeing people wearing masks. There was talks of the coronavirus. My mom sort of made a comment about like, oh, you know, make sure to wash your hands at the airport. And that was the last time I would see my parents for like a year and a half, two years. Chris and I were long distance and he was due to arrive in New York City on March 17th, which was the day the city shut down. And I remember him saying, hey, this all looks pretty bad. I'm supposed to go home to New Zealand next week and see my grandparents. So I cannot get sick. Like it's like imperative. And I said, for sure, but you're coming. I've been waiting literally two months to see you. As I was like, guns out. Like you are coming. Yeah. Like, and I remember because I was so turbo in New York, I was really trying to take care of myself in the lead up to his arrival so I could be fighting fit. And... When he got there, I was so tired. It hit 2 p.m. and I had to have a nap. I lost taste and smell that night, our first dinner together. New York City shut down at midnight that night. And we spent two days. Chris got sick on Monday. Fever didn't wake up for days. It was so scary. Oh my God. So you were in that first wave of the people that were getting sick and it was like not clear what was going to happen. What was happening? Super spreaders, Chris likes to remember it. And I didn't know I had COVID because that wasn't a symptom. So I remember texting my doctor and he said, it's allergy season. And I would just go and get some sinus relief. Literally. Chris actually got very, very sick. And that was really concerning. And then by the Saturday, Chris was like, New York looks very, very bad. I think you got to get on a plane and come to LA. And then I moved into a house with six boys (laughs) and we like slept, worked and ate out of that one room for months. Wow. Just were really thrust into the deep end. But I mean, there were a lot of other things going on in the background. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle stepped back as members of the royal family. 18-year-old Billie Eilish made history at the Grammys with five awards, which I think she was the youngest person to ever win that many. Tiger King raked in 34 million viewers in the first 10 days of its release and absolutely dominated the pop culture news cycle. And as many as 26 million people were estimated to have participated in the BLM protests after George Floyd died, which makes it the largest protest movement in American history. So those of us who were in the U.S. in 2020 lived through obviously a crippling global pandemic and the biggest civil rights movement in the history of this nation. Something I always think about is everyone on the night of New Year's Eve 2019 and all the things that they thought. 2020 is my year. 2020 is my year. My decade. The roaring 20s. Mm -hmm. Little did they know that that meant a historic Great Depression era. And like everyone was completely taken aback. I mean, it just, it made us reevaluate everything. I mean, without that, we would never have this work from home culture we have now. Remote working just wasn't a thing. TikTok, which had actually been around since 2017, was downloaded 2 billion times in April. Biden and Kamala won the election, (laughs) taking Trump out of office. And it was just also the year, and I remember I wrote an article about this at the time, of incredibly out-of-touch celebrities making public snafus. The Notes app has never been used and screenshotted more than that year. I'm very sorry for those of you who have heard. I'm taking some real time to reflect. That was just peppering people's Instagram with the comments turned off or posted to stories if they wanted a shorter-lived apology cycle. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was everything from Vanessa Hudgens, like, people are going to die. That's inevitable. Don't cancel Coachella. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) To Gal Gadot's Imagine video with a ton of A-listers. And Kim Kardashian's 40th birthday on a private island. 
Yes. Which they were all quarantining and were tested for. She was being safe. (laughs) But this all brings us to Naomi Campbell. It reads, at 11.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning, Naomi Campbell calls me. She rings bang on time with no publicist to connect us, a prerequisite for most celebrity interviews, nor an assistant to loiter on the line to ensure no salacious questions are asked. Hi, it's Naomi. Naomi Campbell. She and I both know there is only one Naomi, and also that I am expecting her call, but I applaud the grace of adding her surname. It's also very James Bond. (laughs) I was wondering if you wouldn't mind breaking down the dynamics of a publicist coming onto a call. Or interviews with publicists sitting in. Of course. quotation marks. I mean, usually, and I feel like this is probably your experience too, they are the person that you're interfacing with. You get on the call and you're met with a sweet woman's face named Nicole or Sarah or something. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Who is basically Sometimes like, Sometimes there's a Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, just a reminder, we're not talking about da-da-da-da-da. Um, just wait a few minutes and I'll grab Naomi. Yeah. Uh, she should be joining any minute any now. Any minute let now. Me just, let me just double check for you. Yeah, that's always what happens. The voice is up three octaves on both sides. It's like, How's your day going? It's good. It's so good. Thank you so much. It's that. It's yeah. That. It's such a liminal space. The moments before the the talent, the star joins the call. It's tough. It is. My worst one was actually the Jonas Brothers, where I think there were 11 people on the call outside of the three Jonas Brothers. Oh my God. It was the most people sitting in I have ever experienced. I felt like I was on a conference call, which I was, you know, yeah. presenting to the group. Yeah. The board. Yes. <laughs> the Jonas Brothers board. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I did have an interview just last week with Jude Law's son, funnily enough, and clearly small enough to not have a publicist. And that was really crazy. Just like raw dogging on Zoom, like signing on and there he is, the only person in the waiting room. Wow. We just chat. Amazing. How was he? He was very nice. Very nice young British man, recently moved to LA. Fun. Very chill family dynamic. Like I asked about the UK tabloids and if he had to go through any of that. And he was like, no, I was so sheltered by my parents. And wow. his parents are both famous actors, Jude Law and Sadie Frost. So, Oh, yeah. It's great. Iris Law is his younger sister. Of course. Yeah. So it's all in the in the family, but he managed to totally escape all that, which is crazy. Um, but speaking of UK tabloids, Naomi is one of its most recognizable faces. Ella goes on to say, these shouldn't be notable details, but when it comes to interviewing someone like Naomi, it certainly is. Most celebrities, although not all, are notoriously late and child-minded by a team of people to ensure they don't have to deal with anything difficult. Yeah, there's a lot of protection going mm-hmm. on. Like, let's just, like, keep the veil up for the journalists so they don't get to see who they really are. No, and it seems like Naomi's not afraid of difficult. No, 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 no. I think she's come to embrace the term. Ella writes, it is all the more noteworthy because Campbell's reputation as a diva, a label that she first acquired in 2000 when she pleaded guilty to assault after throwing a phone at a former housekeeper. She arrived for her community service in New York sanitation garage in a sequined Dolce & Gabbana gown. There was the time she was forced to take the witness stand in a blood diamonds trial where memes were made about some of her quips. Talk of her tardiness for interviews is legendary with up to four hour waits for a chat with the supermodel. Mm-hmm. Have you had to wait? Not four hours. Yeah, no, 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 no. Usually just gets canceled at a certain point. Yeah, yeah. It's like I've, we've got to carry on without day. Yeah, we don't have. A, we can't sit around waiting for you. No, but I guess when it's Naomi or someone of her caliber, people really you do. Wait. You, you wait. You sit and you wait. But that was two decades ago, Alice says. And yet, despite the media's best efforts, Campbell refuses to let the past scorch her present. She has said on numerous occasions that she is in a work in progress and has spent the duration of her career fighting for better diversity and representation in fashion, a huge challenge in an industry that only recently began meaningfully addressing its systemic racism. This, I think, is an incredible paragraph because she sets it all up. Naomi is an icon. Naomi has done so much for the cause, but that shouldn't absolve her of her flaws. Ella is a white writer. Yeah. And there was a certain amount of fear and anxiety during this time because obviously what was going on with BLM and George Floyd and the fear of undermining the message was so great that you might be tempted in the writing of this profile to completely gloss over anything that Naomi's ever done wrong because it's like this is not the time to rehash the misdoings of a black woman like Mm -hmm. we don't need to do this but it is relevant she says her philanthropic efforts are abundant 
And none of this justifies her historic personal failings. But it would be remiss not to consider the extent which the angry black woman trope has played a role in shaping media and public opinion of her. Yeah. And she mentions men, some of which we've talked about on this podcast. Hell yes. And how their pasts are very spotty, very, very controversial, yet... No one talks about that when we talk about Hugh Grant, when we talk about Mark Wahlberg, when we talk about Prince Harry. I mean, Hugh Grant was very famous when he solicited a prostitute and cheated on everyone in Hollywood and Prince Harry's Nazi uniforms. Like he was also obviously very famous in yeah. adult. Racist remarks and like during his time in the military. It's yeah. not pretty. It's and, not pretty. But there is something to be said about the fact that Naomi was, by all accounts, kind of a child star and... As we know from our Lindsay Lohan episode, sometimes it doesn't really turn out so well for people who have been thrust into the limelight at such a young age. Ella writes, and I think this is, yeah, just such an important note. She says, we certainly don't let what men like Prince Harry, Mark Wahlberg to Hugh Grant did back in the day influence our opinions now. I mean, mm-hmm. Hugh Grant is an oompa loompa in the new Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Of course, <laughs> squeaky clean public image. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Naomi says, oh my God, the angry black woman label has been used against me so many times. I said to someone yesterday that it's been applied towards me so much. And what for? To silence me? Well, here I am. Despite many challenges, she remembers crying over a 1988 Vogue Italia shoot in which she was forced to wear gray makeup because the makeup artist didn't realize she was black and regularly had to fight to be paid the same fee as her white counterparts. She has achieved a lot. The makeup thing is still going on. Oh, yeah. The hair and the makeup thing is still on set now. There was just a viral TikTok of a black model. Who got painted with like the most horrific color of it makeup. It was concealer, right? Yeah. Like, they put on like a stark white concealer onto yeah. her. And just like skin. tried to blend it in. And she had to go basically and buy new makeup, do, redo her own makeup before she hit the runway. The other part to it is hair. Like there are a lot of stylists who show up when there's a black model, don't know how to do black hair on set. It's I like, mean, salons don't. Salons don't no, don't for cut sure. natural hair for sure. For are sure. just like, well, sorry, yeah, it's yeah. not what I'm I don't trained have the in. Training. So obviously, this was just absolutely rampant at the time when she was at the very top of her game, and she's hoping that now in 2020, all that's been going on will serve as a turning point in dealing with racism. But she still notes that the issue of tokenism remains. For example, brands using a black model in a campaign, but the behind-the-scenes workforce being largely white. She says, I've been asking myself how the industry avoids tokenism for years. Now they can't get away with it anymore. Now people know that they'll be heard. They'll speak out. There is positive change happening. Now there will be a standard where you just can't get away with what went on before. Yeah. And I also think it's it's so interesting that this is being discussed in this year, 2020, which births such things as like the 15% pledge, for instance, that advocated that 15% of what companies carry should be Black-owned, Black-focused, Black-made products. And I cannot believe it took to 2020 to have that tiny modicum of equality like become a focus. And a huge corporation signed on. And since there have been major changes. But this quote struck me as interesting because I think it was 2020 when Matt Damon sat down with this woman. She was the producer of Dear White People. She's a Black female producer. And... He said that diversity should not be considered when it comes to the filmmaking team versus the show itself, the the film, the final product. He said, I think his quote was like, when we're talking about diversity, you do it in the casting of the film, not in the casting of the show. And she had a very viral response where she just went, wow, okay, like that. Mm -hmm. And it really said ripples around because it was like a white man truly mansplaining what diversity should look like and where we should, I guess, you know, uplift tokenism. It's such a simplistic view also, because I feel like people get caught up in the diversity part of diversity, equity and inclusion, and they just leave out the equity inclusion part, (laughs) which ignores the systemic factors that make it difficult for a young black woman to become a first AD or to become a cinematographer. Right. It's like, let's cast a black model, but she doesn't need to be paid as much as this other girl that we've got. Yeah. And also the makeup artist that maybe understands how to make people of color feel beautiful about themselves. It's like, that's what we do in behind the scenes is also diverse and representative of our culture. 
I mean, this is a moment where all of this is rising to the surface. Like it cannot be pushed down anymore. And I think what's so interesting about fashion is a lot of people see it as very shallow, very frivolous, but it really does set the tone for the rest of the world because everyone in fashion is seen as tastemakers. Like you could be in any other creative industry or even working an office job and still you're looking to these cultural leaders in the fashion industry to tell you what is cool and how kind of the world should be run i mean they are the ones are at the absolute forefront of culture and hot vibes and they, i mean they set beauty standards yes absolutely that's it's, the other facet of it kate moss's rise gave way to a very interesting shift in what we thought was beautiful what we thought was a perfect body what we thought was something to aspire to we are wearing low-rise jeans again because like heidi slomane in like 2018 decided to put them back on the runway with size zero models like Mm -hmm. we it's so trickled down very few other industries have the same impact so naomi is particularly happy that all of this is out in the open she was like i'd rather know what's in front of my face than not denial is not something that's in my life i'd rather know what i'm dealing with It's bubbling up, so it's going to have to be dealt with. And she's referring to racism. The whole world is addressing this, so England is going to have to deal with it too. That's how I look at it. Ella writes that Naomi Campbell is actually the new baton holder of racial diversity in fashion. She says that now 50, she feels like an acute responsibility to drive industry change and support and encourage not only like the modeling community, um, Adut Akesh. Oh my God. Is one of Naomi's protégés. Was one of the most beautiful women alive. But also African designers. So at this moment, she's actually phoning in from Lagos, Nigeria, where she's supporting a Rise Fashion Week competition event to put African designers on a global stage. And this year, they're focused on 30 under 30. Naomi is a judge and the prize for the competition is $500,000, which Ella says is no woolly show of encouragement, but rather a decisive, practical way of supporting and uplifting African designers who still aren't offered the same opportunities as their white counterparts. Yeah, it's very money where her mouth is in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I think she could so easily rest on her laurels at this point in time. Like speaking of our joke earlier about you know, an advocate for racial injustice (laughs) as one of the most successful and powerful black models of all time. She could very easily believe herself to have eclipsed her race and to just be like a very successful woman. And she doesn't need to pull up anyone else behind her. Like she's done her work by just being there. And she's made a point of being like, I've, I've got to put my hand back down and, and get these other girls to shift the ways of the industry, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is really admirable. And she clearly is doing things completely on her own timeline. I mean, she became a mother at 50. I know, 50 and 53. She just had her second baby. It is sort of amazing. And I feel should serve as a reminder that life does not end at 25. <laughs> yeah. But also... I think more than anything, like you create your own reality. Yes. Like she really is continuing to fight the good fight. But it's worth noting that having Naomi as a judge in this competition is terrifying. Mm -hmm. Naomi goes down to the stitching. I'm critical. I'm looking for wearability, accessibility for every woman and man, affordability and sustainability. It also has to be economical. That's important these days. We're going into a recession. I would be absolutely terrified to meet her. Oh, I don't, that's not someone I never, ever want to interview. (laughs) Never, ever. Yeah. I have an incredible story about her that I must tell you. (gasps) Oh, say it now. I think it was, it was her paper cover, I want to say, or maybe this was revealed on set of her paper cover. I can't remember. But anyway, this was relayed to me. She was on set and I want to say she was in a wheelchair because she wouldn't walk. And there was an assistant or someone running for her that day. And she said, I need these mints, British mints. And this assistant goes, well, for sure, I'll go get them for you. She was like, I, this brand and this brand alone. They were like, okay. This person goes from shop to shop, candy shop, every drugstore. The mints are nowhere to be found. Finally, he finds like a UK provision store in New York City. He finds the mints. He brings it back to set. At this point, like the day is kind of ending. He's been running around all day. He goes to give them to her and she goes, those are for you. Oh, oh my God. Those are for you. Wow. If that doesn't break you as an individual. 
Whoa. <laughs> I'm not sure what that, and this, she's had so many iconic moments like this. Check your lipstick before you talk to me was a very famous line that she had. It's just no one like her. She speaks in poll quotes. She does. She does. It's like iconic line after iconic line. I know because she's so brave and brazen and everything is water off a duck's back. Like any of these scandals might have broken her, you know, but she is never laid down by literally any of them. She just plows on. But like many, many other of her celebrity cohort at this point in time, she has also decided to become in quarantine, a broadcast journalist. In 2020, she started the YouTube show No Filter with Naomi because she has no time for boredom. She is enjoying not having to rush somewhere and reflect on the things that matter and who is important. And she's been doing her own cooking, her own makeup and hair. And she was like, in situations like this, you have to adapt, abide by the rules and get on with it. So she's created the show. The guests include Kate Hudson, Diane von Furstenberg, Mariah Carey. <laughs> It's all self-shot. It's hilarious. I watched the episode with Mariah. I, it's Mariah on a chaise lounge, full hair and makeup in the middle of quarantine. It's insane. And Naomi says, I just wanted to know what everyone was doing. <laughs> now we get calls for people putting themselves forward. And I say, yes, of course, with pleasure and honor. It was just about keeping in touch. Wow. So <laughs> that's sweet. The show actually, I think it fizzled out in like 2021 as did so many other projects. I, I will say she's not a natural interviewer, but you know, she is kind of a delight to hear speak. And that's why she needs to be a personality. Like her being relegated to photos only was just never, never the way that she was supposed to be. No, it's not right. I wonder what America's Next Top Model would have been if she was at the helm interesting you bring that up i would love to talk about her ongoing feud with tyra banks yes <laughs> that was years and years and years in the making so just to track back a little bit when tyra broke out she was one of the quickest rising models of all time she got sent to paris she books like 17 like i can't even the number is so arbitrary because it was literally like double digits yeah, i do covers. think it was like 17 or 19 shows or something insane yeah, insane covers galore like it was she just had an unbelievable track record and she rose so quickly that the media called her the next naomi naomi obviously still in her prime hated this and was really not willing to pass the torch there was some sort of confrontation backstage. I guess Tyra was called a bitch by Naomi. They would later address it on the Tyra Banks show famously mm -hmm. where they reconciled. And Naomi says, I'm proud of you as a strong black woman, you know, succeeding in this industry. But yeah, that was a thing for a long time. It was like, there's not room for all of us. There's only room for one very famous black girl tokenized, obviously in many different scenarios. And that can be Tyra or Naomi, but it cannot be both. It's wild. Also, Tyra was a big time Victoria's Secret model, mm -hmm. like the one of the OGs. So they cross paths. Oh, certainly. I cannot imagine what it's like backstage at some of these shows. Today is one thing, but in the 90s, I unfathomable. No, I mean, there's no social media. There's no documentation of anything. Like people are just free to say and do as they please. Oh, I wonder all the things that happened. To live in that time of enormous economic swell in the yes. late 90s, pre 9-11. So people are just walking up to the airplane gate and hugging loved ones. It's just another world. It is. It would just be such an interesting time. I think we've talked about this before of like, where, what are the, what are the moment would you live in? And I've always been like, oh no, I'm, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. But I think that would be very interesting to experience. Oh yeah. Late 90s Metropolitan Center, you know, LA, New York, London. So fun. It would be very fun. And the, I mean, the characters that existed in that time, the I mean, way it, celebrity was. This was, we should also mention like Weinstein's era. Like there were a lot of other. Kind oh, of a seedy, <laughs> a seedy underbelly to be sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the stage was set for a lot of what we love and enjoy now truly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. friends sex in the city every slip dress on the planet i know donna karen tom ford for gucci todd oldham so and many so many great shows yeah like very fresh because there's no online inspiration like they're coming up with it out of their brain or going back to the victorian ages to try and work out what the new collection is going to be mm -hmm. like it's just so yeah boots on the ground type of work also 
need we say, the golden age of media. Mm-hmm. When you'd get a brownstone and a town car written into your contract. I know. That's probably why we're so looking yeah. at it through rose-colored glasses. <laughs> yeah, we're it's romanticizing like, it so Oh, much. wow. But obviously we're not in 1998 now. We are in the era of COVID. And Naomi is one of the most hygienic people alive. The video of her. Yes. I remember it well. I can't remember when it came out precisely, but it had like an indelible impact on me. Yes. It was pre-COVID. No. Yes. Are you joking? It was like 2018, 2019. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Please play it. Oh my god. Okay, this is way too long. We're like not even through security. She's picking up a magazine. She's getting on the plane. She gets on the plane. She's digging around her bag. Uh, here they are. Usually I find the gloves faster because I had them separated. She's putting on plastic gloves. I had no idea this was pre-pandemic. Yep. Clean everything yeah, you could she, possibly touch. She takes Durex wipes. And then just literally like wipes down every seat, every footrest, even the remote. This is so thorough. She's still wiping. We had to fast forward through the wiping. Oh my god! I said Jurex wipes. Jurex oh, is a condom, condom brand. That's condom. Dental wipes. Dental wipes, people. She is still wiping. She is still wiping. This is two minutes of wiping. We're still wiping. She yeah. is still wiping. A seat then she puts a seat cover on her airplane seat just so she could not possibly touch the same leather that someone else touched, touched. with their pants yes oh my god all her lip masks she's putting on a a physical mask oh my god I know can you believe this is pre-pandemic no I mean, in Japan, people wear masks all the time as a courtesy when they're feeling under the weather. But it's just incredible that she had the... No, the the lengths she goes to are extreme. And you can imagine they've only been heightened since COVID. Wow. In that her process now is that she receives every package. And this is, I want to make clear, this is a year into 2020. Like this is December. So people were relaxing. People are chilling a little bit more. Well, I think also we had just discovered that it, it, you don't need to wash your produce, that it doesn't spread that way. Yes, completely. It's like you hugging someone. It's that, yeah, exactly. Exchange of saliva. But she was spraying down each of her packages. She says, you have to be diligent. She says, everyone does what suits them, but this is what I'm like, and it's not news for me. I have stepped it up. Yes. Which I don't even want to imagine (laughs) what stepping it up looks like for her. Um, Because she says, the virus is still rampant and it doesn't discriminate. If you come into my space, you take your shoes off and spray. That's how I feel better. You have to do what makes you feel safe. And this is my measure to make me feel safe. And I think this hits on such a moment in time because I remember everyone's varying standards for cleanliness, social interaction, people really span the gambit. Some people were like, let's ride, baby, at dawn. You, me, masks off, and 20 of our closest friends. Others, you know, some people were tripping to Cancun for New Year's. Yeah. Others were like, I will not see you for the next year. Like, sayonara, let's step, like, jump on a Zoom call. It was like such an awkward time. I remember also the dynamics of hugging, like to hug, to not hug. Tough. Yeah, it really was. And it was impossible to keep up also because the CDC fumbled it so many times. Masks help, masks don't help. Mm -hmm. It was just really a time of you can only do what makes you feel safe and comfortable. And Naomi really seems to know that. I mean, the mask mandates themselves, they just came and came and went. Yeah. The indoor-outdoor dining mandates really came and went. Mm-hmm. We were just always in a perpetual state of, like, insecurity. And it's funny, I was having this conversation the other day because I was talking to someone about the morning show. And they were like, you know, I love the morning show, but I find it so annoying that it's so much about COVID and the pandemic. And it's because... It's recent history that we really don't want to remember. Yes. Like we want to, we've so fatigued, we want to gloss over it. And for that, I say, I'm so sorry that we're diving we back into it back. now. We brought you back. I know. But yeah, people just want to let it go. They just want to forget. I mean, it's not a question that people are asking in interviews anymore. It's like it never happened at all. I know, which is scary. 
And also does make sense. I was reading, I feel like psychologists have a really interesting perspective where all of them are sort of like, we have not yet processed what happened. Yes. We are not. It's too close history for us to actually process the years we lost the years and that's the other thing is 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 that i hear that our generation is somewhat stunted in the sense that you should take at least a couple years off thinking about someone and where they should be at this stage of life i've heard you know that high schoolers aren't at the same level academically socially elementary schoolers like can't read yeah. it really did a number on us it was like two years like two and a half maybe where it was all consuming and completely altered the way of life and yeah we're all still i think reeling from the impact of that and yet it just doesn't even happen it makes sense that a lot of people that i know are in like sort of a career like what's going on totally we are still in recovery well the recession is indicative of that recovery i mean we were just talking today that steven's work what they had a big round of layoffs yeah. washington post huge round of layoffs and so we're still really trying to claw our way back out of the the covid shaped hole mm-hmm. and it's not easy so don't, if you don't feel like you've crawled your way out yeah that's please. everyone yeah just have some kindness to yourself yeah let us let us kind of liberate you a little bit because like everyone's in a really weird spot right now yeah 2023 i've heard consistently from friends across the board has been their weirdest fucking year yes professionally at the very least yeah professionally interpersonally it's just there's no clear answer of what everyone should be doing right now no and i think as a result a lot of industries are scrambling yes tech is like wait 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 this is not paying off the way we thought it was and never invested all their money for for not a lot return you know there's just a a lot is coming to the surface do you know what i heard and maybe we can Leave people with this as a little source of inspiration. I should have said this. I heard something recently that set my heart on fire. Why? A friend of mine who's a copywriter, does random copy work, said that she recently had a client that um, had fallen off many months ago come back to her and say that they had tried to do the AI thing and they were so annoyed with how horrible the work mm-hmm. that chat GPT, they just were basically like, we tried to do sort of an AI hybrid approach where we took the work away from people and gave it to machines. And the work was so bad that we are coming back to hire you. Yeah. It's like doubled the length of time of the process. Yep. Yeah. That's unsurprising to me because have you tried to play around with it? Yeah. I found it really tough. Oh, it's it can't do anything. It is really the same as when you try and shop on eBay and you need the directives to be so incredibly specific. It needs to be vintage 90s satin slip, red off the shoulder, gown, you need Orange. to teach me how to do this. Yeah. I don't know. I, and I know that eBay is like my least utilized resource. It's the best place in the world. It's heaven to me. But it is so much like ChatGPT, where you really need to nail the keywords yeah. to get anything remote value. Usable. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I, I had to play around with ChatGPT. And I mean, it's bare minimum stuff. I can see how it would get you through like high school English for sure. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of like moving the needle for a brand, I can't imagine. No. It's really doing too much. Because it, it can't actually be creative. It can only regurgitate what it has been fed. I did have a designer say to me that she used it and she loved it, but English was not her first language. And I mm-hmm. wondered if that had something to do with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it really could be. Coming back to 2020, Ella writes, if this year has shown us anything, it's about really looking at what's in front of you and seeing it for what it is. For all her past mistakes, Naomi Campbell has always just wanted to have an honest, unapologetic conversation about what matters. Race, identity, equality. Thank God we're finally listening. Amazing. I love that little profile. Yeah, a little me bit too. change of pace for us. A little bit less juicy, I would say, but just as important. And a supermodel, they're just they've been so in the zeitgeist these days I that I feel like we had to we had to talk about them. And that's so special for us, I think, and for maybe a lot of our listeners, you know, who feel very much in the trappings of age right now. Speaking of losing a couple of years with COVID, it's like, oh my God, I am XYZ and I should be at this stage of life. And to see that there are 50-year-old women starting their life with children, changing career paths, pretty inspiring. I agree. It makes me excited to see what Kendall will be doing at 50. <laughs> what will it look like? What will they look like? But also like the next gen yeah. of Kajenas. It's different. I can't say that Kendall Jenner has been known to be a pillar of equity and inclusion. <laughs> Other than the Pepsi campaign. Uh, what was that? Global equality? Yeah. Just peace. Just I guess. peace. Peace. Yeah, peace a- for Pepsi. Pepsi for peace. Something mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. 
She might be learning a little bit of Spanish with Benito. So we will see. Yeah, we'll keep close tabs on that situation and report back. person which you know she she is an icon that is undeniable but there's a lot of unlikable stuff going on and presenting that in a profile I think is always brave there's always this indication of like there's always this possibility of like a publicist calling you up and being like actually can you take out that word mistakes um don't know if it's really relevant here and so to to know that you may ha- get a little bit of backlash uh, from one of the most powerful people in the world who has a track record of speaking her mind, and yet you just go ahead and do it? Hell yeah. Hats off to Ella. Hats off. This is our weekly reminder to please subscribe to the patreon we love you we want to share more with you if one episode a week isn't enough for you we're also publishing like full unedited clips of interviews we just published our full conversation with Kristen stagmola the astrologist and yeah there's just so much fun stuff to come and we want to infiltrate every little every little hole, every yeah. little facet of your lives. <laughs> let us, let us, let us in. Let, let us, us in. into your inbox. Oh, well, it's been a joy. It's been a joy once again. Love you so much. Have truly the best day ever. And slay. Yeah. The way Naomi would. Walk. Walk like you're on a runway at all times. Yeah. Get hit by Naomi and like it. Even. And, and love it. <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.